You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Actually, no, it is a bird. In fact, it's a starling. Holy shit, it's a Netflix Melissa McCarthy movie. And we have to review it. But, you know... Hey, look, they can't all be good, right? Oh, did I already spoil my review? I just want people to know that I was having a very nice time on the patio, drinking with a good friend and one of our regular listeners who I had the pleasure of meeting tonight, Jeff Beasley. He's a great guy. Having a great time. And then I said, you know what? I'm very sorry. I have to interrupt. I have to leave because I have to go home and record a review for perhaps the most mediocre film I've seen all year. If not the most mediocre, certainly the schmaltziest. I am talking about a brand new Netflix original starring Melissa McCarthy, known as The Starling. The story of a woman whose child dies tragically. Her and her husband have a bit of a nervous breakdown. He goes into a psych ward. She does her best to go on living, hoping that one day her husband will be able to come back. You know, she starts to look for some help herself. She needs... Her husband's therapist says, hey, have you talked to anybody? You also need to talk to somebody. So she somehow goes to talk to Kevin Klein, who's actually a veterinarian, but used to be a psychiatrist. And anyway, so she gets to talking to him and she starts to feel better. Meanwhile, she tries to put her life together again. She starts a garden. And that's when she gets into a territorial dispute with the titular starling of the title. That's right. This is the birds only with one person and Tippi Hedren is actually Melissa McCarthy and she's not hot for Rod Taylor. She's actually just wants to get back with her husband and grieve over her dead child. How to describe this movie? Guys, have I missed anything? No, I think you pretty much covered. Well, also Blue Snowballs. Yep. Pay a very pivotal role in telling the story. <laughs> I think this movie gave Blue Snowballs their SAG card. Host is probably paid for it. <laughs> this movie gave me Blue Snowballs. That's what happens when I'm denied a good movie long enough. My my snowballs grow blue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that too much information? Probably, but that's fine. It's Sunday. They're just like Hostess Blue Snowballs. They're the mostest, and they taste lightly of coconut. Wow. So. Wow, we are we are delving into TMI territory. So I have been told <laughs> by someone who doesn't actually exist. On that note, I think it's time I introduce my far more restrained fellow reviewers, Frank. Hi, I actually have the Birds poster right behind me. It's an original 1964 that hung in theaters. It was in my eye view when I was watching this, this movie the entire time, and 
just stare at it on occasion and weep. Frank is going to post that to the oneofus.net site, and we recommend you look at that instead of this movie. <laughs> also joining us is Melina. Hi, and unfortunately the closest I've come to anything Hitchcock-related this year was The Woman in the Window, and we all know how that turned out. We did, well, I, as I was there. Yes, right. We were in the shit together. That was on a that fun one. one. That was a fun one. That was fun bad. Unlike this one, I think this is just bad. Well, you know, Melina, you bring up a good point. You said the woman in the window was fun bad, whereas this is merely just bad. And in the Slack channel, I actually described it as not as bad as people are saying it is, but not good either. I must admit, with each day, I've kind of liked it less. And that's only been like 24 hours. But I like it less than when I first saw it. But you make a great point. There are some movies that are bad that are that still have some entertainment value. And there's some movies that are, are competently made. There's good people involved, both behind and in front of the camera. And yet the elements simply don't gel into something memorable. And I think that's kind of what we're dealing with here. That is yeah. what we're dealing with. Because the talent is there you know, behind and in front of the camera. I signed off for this because I'm a fan of the director, Theodore Melfi. I think we all are. Yeah, I really liked Hidden Figures, and I love St. Vincent, which he, his first collaboration with Melissa McCarthy. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And so I was really looking forward to this. And I love Kevin Klein as well. I have a daddy crush on Kevin, Kevin Klein. Who doesn't? We haven't even mentioned Chris O'Dowd, who plays her husband. Chris O'Dowd, yeah. Timothy Oliphant, who plays her boss. David Diggs, who is like an art therapy instructor yeah. at the place where her husband is being held. Rosalind Chow. There's a good cast here yeah. who are given very little to do and frankly aren't given any great material. It'd be cool if you had David Diggs or Kevin Klein come in for like one or two scenes and they fucking crush it. But the script doesn't really give them anything memorable or interesting to do with those characters. I think it's really just the script. It's all back down to the script that it's not strong. I think what it really, I think it's it's one of those where its intentions were in the right place. But it's one to talk about some very real stuff. But it, it pushes its metaphor of this bird. And like halfway through after her third like running with the bird, like, holy shit, we are just going to, this is about, this is literally about her and this bird duking it out and they push that metaphor what the starling represents to the front to the forefront so much that they don't really get a chance to talk about any of the very real themes that they're trying to explore here it's kept at a very you know at a very distant level distant you know kept at a distance yeah obviously her interactions with the starling it's it's very clear what the underlying metaphor <laughs> underlying in I mean, people, you can't see what I'm doing, but I am doing the biggest air quotes in the world when I say <laughs> underlying metaphor here. But I'm like, that metaphor could work. And you could actually have a really great, odd dynamic between her and this very CG bird if you actually had good dialogue written for them, if this was a character that you felt at any point you were endeared to just beyond knowing her backstory and just the fact that we by default spend more time with her than any other character who shows up. And I think that if, yeah, they had actually taken that met metaphor and expanded it to the interactions that she has with Kevin Klein and Chris O'Dowd, which the movie is selling you as what it's trying to do but isn't doing, it would have worked, but, even, but it doesn't. And that's because they didn't actually give them anything beyond just incredibly 
just saccharine, cloying dialogue. This whole movie is saccharine. It's really so surface level, the way that they just deal with it. There's nothing deep within it, and mm -hmm. it's a shame. I mean, you're right in that it is saccharine, it is cloying, it is manipulative. This movie is constantly pulling at your heartstrings. We get it. It's about grief. It is about, you know, a marriage that has been fractured in the wake of a child's tragic and sudden death. It's all of those things. It's, tr it's about mental illness. It's about how you move forward in life and how one partner is re ready to move forward and the other one isn't yet. And what happens when that gets between the relationship. What I'm trying to say is it's a bunch of real heavy stuff. And when I mean real, I mean the kind of things that are, well, just true to life. That mm -hmm. There's no genre conventions. There's, yes, there's some comedy, but there's really nothing here to cut this real serious examination of grief. The problem is once they have that heavy-handed metaphor and we're forced to watch it play out in a very literal way with a CG starling that looks really fake. I mean, that probably looked good 10 years ago, but now looks really distractingly fake. And you see this damn bird a lot. It is practically the second lead in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. I'm like, no. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't expecting Ingmar Bergman or anything. I know that you can do this kind of heavy material with a lightness of touch, but god damn, this was both heavy and insultingly manipulative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't find the, the metaphor of the bird and as much time as we spent with it entertaining or effective. No. I thought it was such a it was such a cop out way of like, you know, supposedly dealing with these very real issues and and every, all the scenes that the bird isn't in, it's still the same problem because no one's really talking about these on, on anything beyond just, you know, they're taking everything at face value and they're dealing with everything at face value. And mm -hmm. and it's a shame. And I think there are times when, you know, because Melissa McCarthy can't help but bring some levity to this. And there are moments where I do get some chuckles from some of her lines, from some of her dialogue. And yeah. I'm convinced those are the lines that, that she ad-libbed herself or improv on the spot. Yeah, I mean, she's a very funny person. I think the film does have, like, one scene that actually works for me in terms of, like, dealing with this fractured couple. I mean, that's the scene where he calls her in the middle of the night and doesn't say anything. And she goes on to tell him about her day. I thought that was an interesting scene. And it was a brief brief little moment of the film trying to deal deal with these two damaged people um in a way that was watchable for an almost two-hour movie for just that one moment to exist that's a real problem yeah yeah for one scene to feel to actually ha like hit a genuine note in a movie that is almost and it's almost two hours long i think it's just 20 minutes shy and god you watching it i'm like so much of there's so much fat to be trimmed here it, it it's not that complicated of a story and there's some really bizarre convolutions that occur that i'm like for example her husband's shrink says hey you need to talk to someone you know you're not the only one in this you need help too why don't you go talk to this man i know he's one of the best psychiatrists i've ever worked with he's brilliant blah 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 she follows the address she doesn't call the guy she just goes to the address and immediately knows something's wrong because it's a veterinary clinic. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I don't do that anymore. And I'm thinking, the woman who referred you, she she didn't realize that 
you've been a veterinarian for 10 fucking years. Also, aren't you, as a veterinarian and ex-psychiatrist, aren't you under some, like, ethical obligation to say, look, I'd like to help you, but I'm not licensed? <laughs> I, I could be sued for trying to give you any kind of counseling? His friend is probably like, well, this guy is broken, and, you know, he probably needs help, too. He just needs to re be able to help somebody again. He needs to have that feeling awakened they're in their own movie but they never pay off on no. that they never no, they don't there's no. some indication that there was something in his past that made him give up this promising career where he was going to be in charge of the john hopkins psychiatry yes. medical wing or yeah. whatever and now he becomes a veterinarian in some bumfuck middle of nowhere town <laughs> but then never addresses it again that's a story that's worth watching that was that was something that not only I think we all were expecting them to actually delve into like every synopsis and every trailer I've seen for it. They're selling you on the relationship, not between her and Chris O'Dowd, her husband, but the relationship that she's starting to build with Kevin Klein. And alas, it's not about that really at all. We don't learn anything about him from the time that we first meet him until the end. He really, at the end of it is just barely, he's, he's there to be a mouthpiece for the metaphor of the film. And that's it. We don't learn anything about why he's now a veterinarian and why he's so reluctant to even talk about his past and why he made this jump, why he left his original profession. And as a result, when they wrapped that up, I was kind of like, for a great actor and a great comedic actor like Kevin Klein, they ended up just giving him nothing to do. He's completely wasted. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to find out that he was actually like the Patch Adams of the veterinary world. You know, he'd show up with like rubber chickens and squeak toys and suddenly make all the dogs and cats happy. But again, there, there, there's no backstory to that guy, even though it's hinted at. There's no reason why, you know, this guy should even be talking to her. And he says as much, but they kind of become friends and talk informally. And by the end, he seems to have helped her, but then he just disappears from the narrative. It, it, it's... It's such a wasted opportunity for a really great actor. Again, David Diggs has nothing really memorable to do in this. They do give Kevin Klein a scene with the Chris O'Dowd character. And for me, that felt like the most unreal scene in the film. That felt so incredibly forced. It did. Yeah. I'll be real. I nodded off a couple of times because it was not because of the movie, because it was a long night and I had to get up early for my, to meet a friend for breakfast. So I was nodding off a little bit. But all of a sudden, I turned to the scene of the two of them and I thought... No, this this does this doesn't feel like it was. It's almost confrontational, and they yeah. haven't even met until this moment. And Kevin Klein, for somebody who's like, granted, he's out of practice, but I'm like, for someone who's supposed to be an incredibly accomplished psychiatrist slash therapist, his way of talking to Chris O'Dowd, I'm like, you kind of suck at this. He, he really does. No wonder you kind of left. Yeah, he is talking to the to the owners of his of the pets he treats so i guess he's all he's cured too on that note let's go ahead into your final thoughts please i was looking forward to this i kind of like those early fall releases that are dramas that aren't the festival darlings that you will not see on the awards trail but are nice the nice transition between the summer blockbusters and you know the art house of, of like late fall and i thought this was going to fit into that that was going to be that kind of darling and it wasn't. It wasn't for me. I do like Melfi's work, but I think this is not a screenplay that was a right fit for him or for the cast. As much as they try, they've each got an engaging screen presence, especially Kevin Klein. But yeah, this wasn't a fit. I think 
the metaphor is relied on so heavily to such an extent and had i known i would not have i would not have signed up to watch this if it was literally going to be melissa mccarthy and a fake bird for the majority for what it felt like the majority of, of this film at the same time i know that these are very real problems being discussed here these are very real issues and people struggle with this with these issues every single day and I'm sure that even though this movie wasn't for us, I know that this is going to be someone's movie, that this will be therapeutic for them. This will speak to what they've been experiencing in their own lives in terms of loss and grief. And that's fine. And I'm glad that they'll enjoy it. I'm glad it's out there for them. But it's just it's not, not for me. I'm so sorry. So I'm going to give this 6 out of 10 Kevin Klein smooth voices. Oh, my God. All I could think <laughs> while watching this was A Fish Called Wanda was so long ago. Right? I, I love Fish Called Wanda and Fierce Creatures. I like Fierce Creatures, too. Wow. Well, speaking of Fierce Creatures that may or may not be starlings, Melita, what did you think of this turkey? Oh, my God. Oh, like the double bird pun there. Look, I'm not made of stone. I can be moved by things like this, especially when you're discussing something as heavy as losing a child. That is just, just from a level of basic human empathy, you can't help but feel sympathy for a character regardless of just how saccharine and just over-the-top melodramatic a movie is but that's not enough i'm like i don't have a problem with the metaphor that the movie tries to send home i think it could have worked if they had made it quirky if they'd made it funny and these are all funny people who you know are capable of bringing comedy to something that you know is heavy something that is tragic you would trust these people to be able to do it, and yet the script just has nothing for them. There really is no sense of who of these characters' interactions, their growth within themselves and with each other. The movie just keeps insisting that they are getting through this, and, they're ins and they insist that these are really strong emotional beats that you should be attached to by constantly just hammering you with sad piano and strings. And really, at the end of the day, it's just such a practice in manipulative hallmark garbage. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's mental health brought to you by Hostess. So I'm going to give this two out of ten blue snowballs. There is one moment in this movie exactly one that felt real to me and it's the kind of moment that i kind of live for when i go see a movie there is a moment after melissa mccarthy's character has taken everything out of their nursery she has finally decided she's going to move on and remove all the traces of her dead daughter's belongings the little crib that's no never going to be used anymore all of the toys and mobiles she puts all of that to the curb. She walks back into this empty room, stares down at the carpet, and sees the impression of the crib wheels <laughs> embedded in the carpet, and then gets on her hands and knees and tries to remove even that. If you've ever tried to move furniture out of a carpeted room, you know it leaves an impression on the floor. To me, that felt like such a real observed kind of thing like, oh, somebody actually paid attention to see how things in the real world work. And they put that into this movie. And yes, if you're distraught and you want to get rid of every trace that you ever had a crib that'll never be used again, you might get on your hands and knees and try to just rub it away. And then the music kicks in. Like Melina said, this movie is not only so saccharine, it, 
it doesn't trust its audience enough to ever let them have an emotion because as soon as anything even remotely impactful happens, they just throw on either some bland, brand new folk tune from someone like the Lumineers or they throw in the score by Benjamin Wallfish, which is disappointing because I generally like his scores. Me too. But this is just so bland and manipulative. It's like everybody involved said, look, this ain't working and we got to do whatever it takes to squeeze one tear out of that one person who's watching who might actually like this and give it a good review. Unfortunately, I don't think it's our group. I thought at first it was just mediocre, but within the 24 to 48 hours since I've seen it, it, it just rubs me more and more the wrong way the more I think about it. If you eliminated all of the music from this movie, I think it would get an extra point. Yeah, I can see Just that. eliminating the yeah. manipulative score and letting the emotions, no matter how manufactured they are, letting them play out and letting these actors do what they know how to do, then I'd give it an extra point just for that. But once that score kicks in or the hokey sad sack folk pop shows up, <laughs> then I just totally tune the fuck out. I have to give this three out of 10 tracheotomies performed on a bird. I know. Wow. <laughs> fuck, I think is that a spoiler? I don't care. You're never going to watch this movie and you shouldn't. A bird gets a tracheotomy. The level of blandness in this movie. I, I was thinking, man, if this movie were a person, I would check for a pulse every now and again. And how sad is it that it turns out that that was the only real reason why Kevin Klein's character was actually in this at all? Yeah, because who else would know how to do that? I mean, I don't know how to do that. I mean, yeah, I've heard you can do that with a big pen, but you know, that's on humans. I don't even know what you do for something that fucking small. 